Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last time. On the left. That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Uh-oh. Every time I hear the word hum now, I'm like... Yeah, they're coming. Uh, slightly hum. horrified. Num, num, num. <laughs> it's kind of like that Tuvian throat singing. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> it's like, is he too, is this guy Tuvian throat singing or is he some, sucking some senator's cock? <laughs> What's the difference, really? Uh, All right, welcome to the show. Could you seen an alien, he wasn't nice, no. Seems like a strange song. I'm all right, Golf Breeze Part 2, that's what we're on to right now. So we're going to hear some more amazing voice acting from yours truly, which I cannot wait. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, this has been Kissel's, I guess, acting follow-up. It's a, say, it's a W Part 2? <laughs> I would say if this could be awarded any sort of award performance, yeah. I would give you a Cable Ace Award. Oh, wow. <laughs> For I best mid-level shouting. Thank you so much, man. That <laughs> really you, means a lot. Do you remember those? Yes, I just remembered that when you mentioned Cable Ace Awards. The guy from Dream On had like nine of them. You do get the feeling Ed was like, that was the only award show he watched. This is the only one that's legitimate. It's cool because it's shaped like playing cards. All right, so let's get into this crazy story some more. So 12 days had passed since Ed's fifth encounter, but the next time... We come out of the experience with something much more tangible than just pictures. Juice. Ooh. <laughs> piles and piles of juice. Mm. We have the orange stuff, purple stuff. What's this? Oh, this is... God damn it, it's alien cum. Oh, why is it always like... <laughs> so two hours after Ed and Francis went to bed on December 17th, 1987, Ed was awoken by a white flash inside his head as if the light was coming from behind his eyeballs, whiting out his vision. Have you ever had that before, the sound of a loud banging in the back of your head? Yeah, it's called, what is it called? It's got explosive a, head syndrome. Explosive like literally head syndrome, yeah. Something like that, or exploding head. Exploding yeah. head syndrome, It's yeah. a cool album name, whatever it is. <laughs> Great album name. I think it happens to athletes on a regular basis when they get knocked unconscious. Mm-hmm. So, Ed managed to open his eyes, and beside his bed were three dark figures, barely visible, with more shadowy figures moving towards the foot of the bed. Ed shot up and tried to speak, but no words came. <laughs> Can you do do it, Kissel? Very good. Ed? (laughs) That was me! Wow. No, but that was Ed. I'm confused. I'm so good. But I was reading this. Now, is this sleep paralysis? Uh, It's very possible that his bedtime encounters are sleep paralysis. That is a possibility, We can't just always throw every single alien abduction scenario into the fucking sleep paralysis bucket. All right? (laughs) 
It's a big bucket. <laughs> so the figures, when Ed tried to speak, they turned quickly but deliberately, and that is how he said that they always move. They moved very quickly but very deliberately. <laughs> all right, all right. Sorry, don't mean to wake up. All right, it's kind of We heard there's a sale at Arby's at 641 to cut the cheese ones. <laughs> They're fun aliens, though. They are fun. It's super fun. So they turned, qu- they turned left and left the room. Ed attempted to grab one of the figures on their way out, but the same intense hum from before hit him, and he slumped over the foot of the bed. Swoom. And literally, it hit him, and he dropped, and that's when Francis woke up. Yeah. Francis woke up watching him go, like, wrestle with his own blankets. Man, she just must be like, wish you wrestled with me like he was wrestling with those blankets. <laughs> well, so this is their weapon. There's this this hum weapon. Well, is that all they're armed with down I mean, here? it's not necessarily a weapon. Sometimes it's used as a weapon. Sometimes it's used as uh, an antenna of sorts. Hmm. Uh, the hum is very nebulous. He doesn't ever quite nail down what the hum is or what the hum is used for. Sometimes Neil Young uses it as warm-up Do you uh, think when he's playing his little harmonica. <laughs> the guy that makes all the mouth noises who did the Don't Worry, Be Happy song, do you oh, think yeah. that all this was beta testing Bobby for the hum? Bobby Yeah. Harp disinfo agent. That's what he is. <laughs> Could be. So in the background of the noise that Ed described as standing at the foot of a gigantic waterfall, he heard a sound that had the tone of the UFO voice that sounded like the high and low tones of music being fast forwarded on a tape recorder. Ed composed himself, grabbed his camera, left the gun behind, Mm. and went outside. The UFO was hanging in the air before him, and Ed shot photo number 13. Suddenly, the power source at the bottom of the craft squirted out steam and a kind of strange liquid. (laughs) Oh, is that a a UFO or is that a Roseanne bar up there? (laughs) That is a funny joke. See? Jay Leno. (laughs) Wow. Good humor. Is she a squirter? I have no idea. We're not going to get into that conversation. (laughs) So Ed gathered up the liquid from the ground and placed it in a plastic butter tub and saved it for future analysis, although to the best of our knowledge, it never actually made it to a serious laboratory. So can we all agree he he ate the rest of the butter? Oh, I mean, yeah, he had to empty it out. He's well, like, at some point, he's just sitting there. How, how many times have you looked in your refrigerator? Hmm, let me see. Hmm, what do I want? Hmm, I guess I could try it. Mushroomy? Do I like this? <laughs> I love to finish off the butter tub. <laughs> now, there were plenty of people who claimed to have seen UFOs besides Ed Walters and his wife, Francis, during this time period in the Gulf Breeze area. Over 30 people reported seeing something that might have been UFOs, and it remains a UFO hotspot to this day. Which mm. is probably the only thing bringing Gulf Breeze its business, except for, I imagine, a beautiful beach. Yes. But then you get to go. Honestly, it's kind of like a fun vacation for me, specifically. Is it you go, you can buy a bunch of UFOs, Faux shirts. There's mm-hmm. a beach there, so and everybody there looks like me. So it's a no shame beach for me. I mm-hmm. can go out there in little, like the tiniest little fucking underpants and swim in a big, good, slick, oil covered ocean in the Gulf of Mexico. It does seem like a fun place for fat people to do paramilitary training. You know, just as like a, a weekend excursion. I don't need to chase them up no. in the skies, but if they come down on land and they're within five feet of me, I could grab hold of an alien. Frank, just Jimmy to the next chicken wing. Oh, Get to you're it. right. You're all right. You're, we just spaced him five feet apart and we timed me how fast I could get him. <laughs> Fat paramilitary training sounds so fun. 
<laughs> so even though there were all of these people who witnessed UFOs at this time, and it could be attributed to mass hysteria, could mm. be attributed to people seeing, because there was, in addition to a Navy, naval base, there's also an Air Force base very nearby. But it could they, be people seeing these mm. things in the dark. But then they use the classic debunking of that debunking, which is, well, we know what different airplanes look like, so we know the difference between helicopters and planes and, mm. and fucking weather balloons, and we know what looks like a UFO, but it's quite possibly mass hysteria. But it's mostly, I don't know, I don't like the term mass hysteria. It's just everybody wants to be a part of what's cool what's going on. Look at Pokemon Go. Oh, yeah, they <laughs> right? love it. People jump onto a thing when it becomes a phenomenon, so you mm. don't want it not be. Like, if I, if there was a bunch of people looking at UFOs and saying they had seen UFOs. I'm desperate to see a UFO. I mean, I probably wouldn't see it, but I'd be there selling T-shirts. I'd yeah. be there selling <laughs> UFO sparklers. Well, the sad irony is I would probably see it and just not even care. <laughs> Isn't that strange? Is it possible the government was working on one of those devices they use now to uh, deter protest there's a hum machine, Ooh, the hum device. It actually very well could be. I mean, it could be that he's getting tuned into that because, as we yeah. all know, like technology, when it's finally made for the streets, like we've had iPhone technology. We had iPhone mm. technology for a decade before the iPhone actually came out. It's not that we can't do this stuff. It's that it's not cost effective to do this stuff. So it's very possible that they were still developing, yeah, some sort of crowd control device around that area. And it could be that Ed Walters was a focal point for it. Or it could also be that multiple people were focal points hmm. for it. Ed Walters was the only one who actually said anything about it. But that's right. also true. And we know that the hum that is sound weapon is in the works right oh now. Oh, my they, they are using it in Afghanistan. It's the yeah. protest poo-poo. Uh, they're just going to make them all poo-poo their pants. Yeah, the that's brown. literally what they're going to do. Yeah, the thing the is, though, you make me shit my pants, the more dangerous I become. <laughs> I think that's kind of true. <laughs> because I have so much. I have nothing left to lose. That's I'm right. covered in my own shit. I agree. <laughs> and then I become a weapon. Kind of. <laughs> because everybody I touch gets covered in my shit. <laughs> the first biological weapon was human poo-poo. <laughs> so even though all of these neighbors saw all of these possible alien craft there was only one person outside of the Walters family who saw an actual UFO in Ed's presence. Patrick Hanks was a college student and a friend of Ed's son who was a willing participant in what Ed called his quote-unquote games. I don't like this. And by the way, Ed was the one who put the quote-unquotes on games in his own book and did not go into what the quote-unquote games were. They hmm. said that they played a game called the Candle Game, which I brought up the last time, which I cannot, I still cannot elucidate upon the rules because he, bring, he brings up the, camel, the, the Candle Game also in his secondary book, UFO Abductions in Gulf Breeze. Right. Right. Where it's something about a bunch of boys in a room with the lights off, and he blows the candles out one by one as they tell some sort of sequential scary story. And I think yeah. the scary story is, the, the reveal is that he turns on the lights. He has no clothes yeah, on. Yeah, I think that that's true. There is an underlying current that this man has sort of a, a, a bizarre B-side to his life. I mean, it's got shades of buck buck how many hands up. Okay, I don't think you. it's a molesty. I, I, th I think that it's just uh, sad. I think I it's just, more sad. He just I just think his peak years were in high school, and he likes to hang out with other kids that we make made him feel it, like he's it, in high school. We made it an entire episode and a half without having a situation. See? <laughs> you know? <laughs> We're responsible. We're trying. So Patrick, home from college and well aware of what was happening with the UFOs and the Walters family, decided to drop by to check in on how Ed was doing. When Patrick knocked on the door, Francis opened it, pointed towards the back of the house, and said, It's here. <laughs> it does feel like poltergeist, though. It does feel like 80s horror movies. It feels like yeah. a burps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Francis is the one with all the creepy lines. Yeah, 
Yes. Like well, she's, it's here. Outside, outside Edward. Outside Edward, it's here. I can hear the humming Edward. Well, this is a problem. Frances at this point is scarred. Yeah. Because right. she's been watching her husband, I guess at this point, either go completely nuts. Because she's, she's now seen the UFO, quote unquote herself, yeah. or she's too scared of Ed. To say that she hasn't. Yeah. Which I don't know what the difference is anymore. I think she's just leaning into her insane batshit marriage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's just like, all right, Maybe, we're the UFO couple now. What if it makes them, like, extra hard and now they're fucking each other even better because well, there's all this danger and mystique everywhere? Absolutely. They're alien hunters. They're not just slobs in Florida That's anymore. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, That's incredible. That's what I want to happen to me. I, Let it happen to me. You want it too bad. <laughs> <laughs> so Patrick said he got to the middle of the living room before he saw the craft through the windows stopped in his tracks and watched it hover. And Ed out back working on the pool pump again. God noticed damn, it too. This is the bane of his existence, this damn pool pump. <laughs> he noticed it as well and walked inside and as soon as Ed came in. Because he thinks the humming's the pool pump acting yeah. right. He talks about this Again, several times. In his tidy whities with socks Come and on. sandals. <laughs> and there's a the UFO hovering behind him while it's and this Francis big fat like, man in his... <laughs> so they have interdimensional technology and this poor bastard in Florida can't get his pool oh, no. pump to work. Oh, no. I am Zayas. <laughs> as soon as Ed walked into the living room and looked at Patrick, the craft hovered off as if the aliens were viewing the world through Ed's eyes and were unaware of Patrick's presence until Ed was aware of Patrick's presence. I mm. think that, well, they've said that a lot, right, about how the the concept of being with the UFO, which I find really haunting. Jacques Vallée would talk about this a couple <clears> times <throat> with people when you see a, uh, a, a ship, is that it regards you as if it's seeing you and it's like being... Uh, Next to a gigantic blue whale mm -hmm. is the way they put it. It's an animal that can't understand what you are and you can't understand what it is, but it acknowledges your presence. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? So it's seen the world through Ed's eyes now. Possibly. Interesting. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. very possible. Well, I wonder while they're at it if they can fix that fucking pool pump. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you're waiting, pull your in my brain. how much he's struggling. <laughs> So not too long after the squirty liquid incident, the boys from MUFON, that's the mutual UFO network. <laughs> you know that song from Ghostbusters where they were like, we got one. Yeah. <laughs> the boys from MUFON running down the steps, they caught wind of the stories in the Gulf Breeze Sentinel and showed up to offer the help. Now, Henry, how did MUFON know that Ed was the Mr. X the papers had talked about? Uh, because everyone knew that Ed was Mr. X. <laughs> the crazy guy working on his pool pump screaming at the aliens? Yeah. Uh. The guy that constantly brought up about how it's crazy how this Mr. X brought these photos to me and they're like, yeah, Ed. Like, we, they, everybody knew that it was Ed because he had he had let it spread over town. Yeah. And also yeah. what they did was they didn't tell Ed they were coming. He showed up. They were in the house. Like, they scared the shit out of Francis. Now, we remember while all this is happening, Ed's work is just building up. He talks about in the book the Gulf sightings of Gulf Breeze, the Gulf Breeze UFO sightings. He talks about how, like, he's not paying attention to anything. So finally, it's like, I gotta go do some work and he leaves. Francis sitting in the house. She's dealing, she's going through so much. She's like so scared, barely sleeping. There's a commotion outside. Like she sees, he basically sees a bunch of people walking out of their, in their front yard doing, taking pictures. Right. And she looks out and she sees two idiots, a tall skinny guy in a parka and a short fat guy with a camera taking pictures from angles in their front, in the front lawn without knocking on their door, not asking anything. And they leave. And what they would do where they were testing 
the angles of the pictures of where they possibly could have come from. They found out that Mr. X lived on this block. They went from house to house to house to house and took example pictures to see what would match up to the pictures that were printed without telling any of these house owners. Right. Now, remember, MUFON is not the cops. No. <laughs> these are. This is not a government agency. Do they have badges, though? Oh, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> because all nerds know you have to have a badge right. in order for people to respect you. I agree. Certainly not to take off your clothes and leave you upside down in a trash can <laughs> in an alley somewhere. Which happens to a lot of them. With yeah. just their badge and by the way, shoved these... up inside of themselves. <laughs> well, that's kind of a sad place to put it. By the way, these guys' names were Don, Bob, and Gary. Now, Don, Bob, and Gary showed up <laughs> ready to bust this face right over. Are the show? <laughs> Essentially, That's an old reference. So they came in and they approached Ed, of course. Now Ed obviously is now fueled with the, the the power and mystery of his own UFO sightings and is getting very excited by it. These guys showed up in trench coats essentially saying like, we want to help you with your UFO problem. And he's just like, I'm your man. Right. I'm Don. I'm Bob. I'm Gary. Yeah, great work. I'm Ed. White, 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 white. So I hop and high five. <laughs> so on January 12th, 1988, Don called up Ed and said that he had checked out a site where another witness who called himself Believer Bill Ooh. had taken some photos. Uh, Believer Bill most likely was Ed Walters. Yes. Oh, he, was, he was Believer Bill also. Yeah, actually, he was also Believer Bill. It was a man whose actual legal name that he had to change it was Gullible Greg. Oh, he had to change it to Believable Bill because believable because he doesn't want to appear naive well, or not believable. Well, actually, uh, an investigator did look up uh, the copyright on the photos that were printed in the Sentinel uh, under the name Believer Bill. The copyright was owned by Ed Walters. Ah, uh, yeah. It's all a lie. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Well, I'm just saying Believer Bill. <laughs> Hover on the edge of okay, a knife. Be- Believer Bill is alike, yes. Uh, but yeah. all the rest of it, we don't know yet. And let's not forget, that pool pump, that's a real horror. And it's still that's racking a, in and it's, still racking. it's out there yep. like an old school fucking station wagon just waking up the entire neighborhood. It's horrible. So 15 minutes after the Believer Bill conversation ended, Ed started to hear the hum again. It was intense but short, lasting only about 20 seconds this time. It was then that Ed remembered he had left some important contracting work undone. So he got in his truck to go take care of it. But he also said that he felt that, and he'll say this several times, that the humming was coming and then pulling at the center of his head yeah. to go mm-hmm. someplace. Or pulling at the right side of his Wh- head. Wherever it takes it, it was taking him to the right, which eventually <laughs> takes you where? In a circle. circle. Ah. So you just come right back home. Interesting. <laughs> so this whole time he is actively building people's homes. Yes. And uh, <laughs> at what point do you stop trusting the contractor? <laughs> I mean, even after it came out, he was still building homes. His business really wasn't affected that much by him being Mr. X, by him being okay. the alien guy. It's Florida. This is Florida people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, if you're not going to hire a crazy contractor, good luck getting one in Florida. My father <laughs> in Palm Harbor, Florida, would be so excited to be like, Hey, you see this guy? He's working on the pool. This fucking idiot sees UFOs. I love it. Fuck it. I throw grapes at him. I tell him, oh, come over here, light me a cigarette. I step on his foot. I laugh a whole long time, but he's like holding his foot. Ah, fucking idiot seeing UFOs. Yeah. So he's in charge of the safety of your home. Yeah. Okay. So the whole place burns down. Cheap. Real cheap. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Ed was driving down a secluded country road when he said everything again suddenly turned bright white although this time the light was coming from outside Mm. his own head reflecting off the hood of his truck the light came through the windshield and shone on his arms and numbed them 
replaced by a pins and needles sensation, then back to a complete and total non-feeling, as Ed called it. Which is common in many alien abduction stories. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Also could be a stroke. Could be a stroke. Could be a stroke. We're going to say aliens. <laughs> now, when he looked behind him, while still driving about 45 miles an hour, mind you, with completely numb hands... <laughs> Ed saw That's how my father drives He can't feel his hands <laughs> Yeah But that's because of Type 2 adult onset diabetes Yes Oh that's dangerous <laughs> Now behind him Ed saw a UFO Quickly accelerate past hmm. Then keep pace In front of his moving truck Hovering silently About 500 feet ahead Ed's plan Was to slow down the truck Pull a UE And head back home To safety But he found his hands Were too numb To actually make the turn but as he stopped at the side of the road, staring at the UFO, now just 200 yards ahead, Ed remembered the shotgun he was keeping just behind his seat. <laughs> <laughs> just the guy I want heavily armed at all times. He managed to grab the shotgun and the camera as his hands still kind of worked. Despite the numbness, he just had to see what his hands were doing. Right. Yeah, you have to look at your hands. But he said that he would just flop his hand back until he knew he was hopefully grabbing a shotgun. Yeah, that's that's safe. That's Hunter Safety 101. <laughs> Sit on your hands until they're numb and then try to shoot. <laughs> so he got he got the shotgun. He got the camera. He rolled out of the truck and shot picture 19 and then scrambled underneath the truck, <laughs> shotgun, and camera in hand. The blue beam suddenly came down. But instead of trying to take Ed, the beam was now depositing aliens on the ground Whoa. in front beam, of his truck. Beam, 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 beam. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. No, no. <laughs> they must be so excited. They get yeah. fucking to go into action. They never get to go. Never. This is only the second time that the aliens have actually showed up. Possibly the third, although that could be sleep paralysis. Or it could sure. be some sort of different team. I mean, this is the ground team right here. Yeah. These right. are the guys that are in charge. Five times the beam came down, and with each beam came another four foot tall gray all holding the same sort of silver rod as mm. before. Yeah and Ed's hang, ha- hiding underneath that truck like he's Osama Bin Laden. I Here know. comes the alien SEAL Team 6. That's what <laughs> I was fucking thinking. Ice I was thinking about SEAL Team 6 as well. It's funny you bring that up and I think it would have been so much cooler if they had little rods instead of guns. Yeah. <laughs> I mean how much more trippy is that? Cattle prods and whips. <laughs> the aliens began to move and lockstep towards Ed like Nazis and Ed well, was hiding. Well they work as <laughs> So we, what do we know about greys? They are technically organic robots, and they're kind of w- hardwired into a gigantic group-like machine. So they obviously you think they're move prone in unison. to be Nazis. Well, no, they they move in unison all the time mm-hmm. because they're like robotically controlled. Although, if you will remember, Betty and Barney Hill also made some Nazi references. They did because, but that was just more about uh, the, and that was about the doctor, the doctor one, the lead one, which is Ed talks about later in his abduction scenarios. It's a female one with big alien. T- and long, stringy white hair. Isn't that strange? Yeah. And as the aliens were walking towards him, Ed's still hiding under the truck, just screaming obscenities. Ah, Horrible job hiding. Fix my goddamn pool if you're going to come down here, you fucking pieces of shit. When the aliens were about halfway to Ed, he composed himself, jumped in the truck, hit reverse, and sped away without even looking where he was going. Oh, no. We didn't even realize he would use the car again. Well, Bungled again. Get back in the <laughs> spacecraft. Now, what happened the next morning is what makes this a true classic UFO story, almost a little too classic. Hmm. 
Now, after all the hubbub in the paper and all the talk going around town, a couple of good old-fashioned men in black showed up at Ed's front door. Or a fun new term I've heard for them recently, the disappearers. Oh, really? <laughs> I always just go with Mormons. <laughs> Anytime there's a people in a suit and knocking on my door, they're Mormon. I like Mibs. Yeah. Mibs. <laughs> Mib. I'm a Mib. As soon as Ed opened it, the Mibs walked in, flashing ID cards and identifying themselves as Agent McCarthy and Agent name Ed couldn't remember. Great work, uh, great reporting, Ed. <laughs> you would think you would remember that. And they said they were from the Air Force Special Security Services. They told Ed that they had knowledge of UFO photographs that Ed had in his possession that fell under a material seizure warrant that he was required to hand them over. But Ed, playing it cool, told them that he'd already given all the photos to the Miami Herald. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ed said they were very rude, but still left. But they left with the threat that if Ed was lying, oh, they'd be back. But the problem is that he was lying, and then so they didn't lying. come back. <laughs> oh, they didn't come back? No, uh, they was, didn't do their due diligence. Yeah. No, he, yeah. They didn't, he kept actually publishing more photos and uh, kept taking photos, and it was very obvious it's a bad that he story. still had a... <laughs> it's, a it's a bad exciting. story. I, I, I'm thinking of Michael Douglas from the uh, the movie The Game, mm -hmm. where the, he makes a bet where he wants to go and, you know, whatever, have but, a murder and all that kind of stuff. It seems like this could all just be a, a, an elaborate setup for a great surprise party. But the guys from MUFON, <laughs> when he went to the MUFON guys and said, I think these men and black guys came to, over to the house to shake me down for these pictures, he said, actually, what's a common thing, which I actually think is the real story, is that guys that are UFO enthusiast, not unlike myself, which we were talking about before the podcast, is that I'm the type of person who's the exact reason why Ed Walters has changed his name and can't be found anymore. <laughs> no, he can't be. No. Um, uh, that the reason why, uh, that what they do is that UFO enthusiasts show up dressed as fake cops to go get pictures from people and show up and like go look at this evidence. So it's very possible what? that these guys were guys like me who put on police officer uniforms, right. which I actually think is a great idea. Terrible idea. And then you show up and you ask for the evidence yourself. Yeah, but Ed said that these guys were like big and buff. Ed was lying. <laughs> I don't know. Ed I, might be small. No, Ed was, Ed was scared immediately. He saw badges. I honestly think that all of this is amateur story storytelling at its fucking juiciest and perfect. And it's like it's just so perfect like cuz everybody's an idiot. The him he's dealing with the Mufon guys are acting like experts and they're idiots. Ed's lying about at least half the stuff. At least. But well. but also experiencing something where that's where my end of the story comes from is that he faked some pictures and then has been starting to get abducted and raped by aliens and he's really upset about it. Yeah. Because it's kind of comes the center of your whole life. But and now the MIBs show up. By, yeah, fake MIBs. We don't know if they're fake. They're maybe you know, Comic-Con enthusiasts. Well, like that. I, I mean, this has all the hallmarks of the end justifies the means. I mean, this, this definitely, the Men in Black story, it does not, it, if and, you know, it probably is total bullshit. But it's definitely, uh, it's the whole Bigfoot hunter scenario mm. uh, where they fake uh, just enough evidence because they believe so hard they fake just a little evidence or fudge the truth just a little bit because they believe in it. They think right. that they need other people to believe in it and to make other people believe in it. They think, oh, I need to have just a little, I need to have extra truth. If I fool yeah. them into the truth, we're going to then get the it's support we need to find the real truth. That's Ex it. Exactly, yeah. So, now that the men in black were officially involved, MUFON really felt like they were on to something here. So, by the time the 12th sighting occurred, MUFON 
had already set up a full-on surveillance program on the Ed Walters household. Now, when you're okay. saying yeah. surveillance program, <laughs> I do want to. I mean, what's a, I mean a guy on? in a van. I mean, a guy in a van with a camera. They got hammered. They all sat and talked about it. this. Is true. This comes from the story. They sat and they had a couple of drinks, and they said, "What we got to do here is just like I'll buy the walkie talkies." Ed was like, "I'll front the money for the walkie talkies nice. because Mufon is not exactly a rich establishment. Is They're not, not, huh? No, <laughs> not well funded. Literally to the point where they can't afford walkie talkies. Yeah, very cheap um, now it is. And so what they decided to do was they was like, "We'll sleep in shifts because they also have day jobs in a van around the corner from Ed's house, and we'll be there on call in order to snap the." pictures that they need because they're going to give them a super like a secured <sighs> camera yeah they're gonna they, whatever it is it's like a locked camera yeah it's a, yeah it's a locked camera mm. that could not be used to uh do double exposures or a fake or anything like that if they can't the the picture that you take with this camera is the picture no matter what and yeah mm-hmm. they were in a van about a block from ed's house two blocks walking distance uh hanging out in the parking lot of an apartment complex Oof. and by the way they had permission they oh, had they had, they did, That's and they were good. no because they they know that you have to do everything correctly. Can you imagine the aroma that would waft from the door oh. after you open that? The, it's like a thirteen-year-old boy's bedroom. Oh, come semen and cereal. And yeah, yeah. Just, smells oh. like it's been Gary shift. <laughs> I only have one pair of jeans. <laughs> and by the way, they did sleep in their clothes because they always yes. they needed to always be ready. And they know that for a fact. They specifically said that as a rule. I'm like. And also, I think at some time, it's just like, great. Like, like he also is not as enthused by the MUFON guys. Ed becomes, like, the cool guy in the scenario. Yeah, he is. is. But that's what this is about, right? In the end, you make up these fanciful stories in order to feel more cool amongst your peers, right? So now he switched his, I'm going to impress these teenagers, to I'm going to impress these three morons that have been <laughs> sadly shipped here by MUFON. I love these guys, too. I, I, I have a lot of... Sympathy for the MUFON guys because they yeah. really are just looking for the truth. They're they want their, they really are. They're really prepared. Are they nerds? Maybe. Uh, um, unbelievably so. Maybe. Yeah. Are they bad? Bad hygiene. Definitely. <laughs> Maybe. Are they unapproachable? To by the opposite sex or the same sex, whatever it is that they're Any attracted sex, to. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Of course they are. So. Good luck to you, man. But that allows them to focus more on their jobs, and I think that's what's so important. They're not distracted from the outside uh, temptations. Oh no, they are very focused. So on January 21st, MUFON member Bob Reed was sitting in the van with a camera pointed towards the rear of Ed's house, waiting for a call on the walkie-talkie. The plan was that Ed would call as soon as he felt the hum, and Bob would take the picture when the alien showed up. I just know he's going to call when I got to take a shit, so (laughs) I'm just going to do it here in the van. (laughs) Oh, I hope Gary doesn't mind the smell of my hot dookies, because it is just... I ate two plates of old stroganoff this afternoon, because that's just what I had... And it comes down to it, the MUFON allowance of $2 a day ain't really cutting it. Well, it's a good thing he gave you all those butter all those butter tubs to poop in. So they had surmised, MUFON and Ed, that there was a 15-hour window of possible sighting times from dusk till dawn, with the most likely times being 5 to 6 a.m. and 7 to 8 p.m., when Bob couldn't be there due to what he called, quote-unquote, personal circumstances. What if he literally was stuck to a toilet? What if <laughs> it was like a thing it in a, a weird set it of was circumstances? Like he couldn't be there until 9.45 every night. Like, to get a, de- a job. Yeah, but he didn't yeah. ever, but he would, you would think he would say like, yeah, I had to be at my job. But no, he made sure to say personal circumstances. Because that's an official re- reason. Yeah, he's probably a receptionist at a dentist office. <laughs> I mean, who the hell knows who these people are? He's probably one of those guys who sets up those like dancing inflatable wavy guys yeah. in front of car dealers. 
dealerships. <laughs> just could, like I don't, I don't even want one. I don't want one of those. But it was Bob who was on watch at 10.30 p.m. on January 21st. Ooh. Ed was walking over to the van to deliver an item to Bob that Ed wanted passed on to another MUFA member, although Ed does not speci- specify in the book exactly what the item was. He it, just said, I had to deliver an item. It was the butter tub. <laughs> just that was it. A new shit we need a new toilet. <laughs> I got another butter tub. Let me just finish this butter. <laughs> now, as Ed was walking the path over to the van, he heard the telltale hum and pulled out his walkie. He told Bob to get his camera ready, and Bob did so. Only problem was... Bob was looking in the wrong direction because Bob was really going like, where, where? Because look, he lo- turned out because that way he he described it because Bob wrote a little letter in mm-hmm. the book to like describe it from his point of view. He saw Ed saunter down the street with his shit bucket, just, <laughs> <laughs> but then he saw Ed grab his head and went like, Ugh! and then was like flailing around. He's like the hum, the hum, and now this is in the parking lot of an apartment building, right. you know, when there's many other people watching yes. this too. So Ed is doing this. I do believe he's doing this for an audience and Bob is ready to be the hero Mm -hmm. that the Uh world deserves not the one that it needs no definitely (laughs) the one we deserve I think though so the reason why he was looking in the wrong direction is that he got focused on a plane to the north. Because he kept saying, that's a plane, that's yeah, a plane. He's, he's like, like no, that's a plane. No. He's like, no, it's a UFO. He's like, no, I think that's a plane. That's a plane. Oh, I know God. it because it's got wings on it unless they're starting and to build UFOs now with make, wings. And then, that and would make sense. You know what? He was right. It was a plane, but he was looking to the north. Ed, oh. who finally realized what was going on, he yelled... Look to the south. <laughs> Very good. Wait, wait a second. Was that Ed? That was Ed. Look to the south. But as Bob turned his camera around, the UFO winks out of view. Fuck. Oh. Over the nine-day stakeout that Mufong conducted, this would be the closest they would come to spotting a UFO. And then, oh. yes, they would sit, and he wrote a nine-day journal saying he was that, well, unfortunately, that was the first day. It was the closest and then they sat there for oh, that. That was the third day. The oh, first, yes. The first oh. day was January 19th, my fifth birthday. Oh. So they had 72 hours in this van. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then they covered- had another six more days <laughs> of nothing. Yeah. A lot oh. of days of nothing. But uh, Don did say at the end of uh, his account in the book, he said, Ed was the bravest man I've ever met. <laughs> Look to the south! (laughs) Now, the 13th sighting is particularly interesting because it was somewhat witnessed by an actual journalist. This is the aforementioned Torment on the Road. At 5.30 p.m. on January 24th, Ed started hearing a low hum as he was pulling into the driveway. As the hum grew louder, Ed ran into the house to call up Gary, who was on shift at the van, but for unknown reasons, Gary wasn't answering. Now, where the hell do I empty this shit bucket? <laughs> All right, now, they said I can't do it in the grill anymore. I can't do it over here by the grate. They said that was full, and they said the lake was no good because they've got the skiing competition that's coming up this weekend. Hmm. I guess I could just dump it. I'm just going to leave it here and tell everybody it's free pudding for keeps. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Come get a bucket of pudding. So Ed was desperate for someone to actually film an encounter besides himself, so he went and picked up Dwayne Cook, who was the journalist for the Gulf Breeze Sentinel, who wrote the original story and the follow-ups. And just one you off. From Dane Cook. <laughs> oh, isn't that exciting? He could have been a millionaire. Could have been. So the two were driving back to Ed's house with a video camera when the hum started to increase. 
and Dwayne started filming. The alien voice came back in Ed's brain and gave him another cryptic message. And the voice kept just repeating the message over and over and over again. And still driving, started to have a bit of what sounded like the kind of freak out you have when you're 15 and you just get like way too high for the first time. It does. It does. Like Ed turned to Dwayne and said, Dwayne, Dwayne, does my face look like it's moving? Like, like, is my face moving? You're, you're talking, but no, I mean, no, besides just the talking, your face is not really moving, but but the, the, your your cheeks are because you're, you're speaking. <laughs> and Dwayne said, no, of course not. To which Ed came back and said, yes, is my eye moving? Is my eye, you're blinking. is my eye moving? You're blinking, but it's not moving around your face. <sighs> or something. I mean, like, you you freaking out, bro? Do I need to get you some Thorazine, man? We'll get you some, Dwayne, some, some juice? Do you got that poop bag? <laughs> Dwayne responded, I don't think your eye's moving, but the pulling on the right side of Ed's brain was getting stronger, just as bad, if not worse, than the very first encounter. Ed, now in full freakout mode, turned to Dwayne and said, Dwayne, are we going too fast? What's too fast, man? Is it too fast for you to drive? Is it too fast for us to meet a car? What are you talking about, man? I don't mean to continue to freak you out. It's like you're making me freak out. <laughs> then the odd sensations in Ed's body took a turn. Ed said that there was a twisting pull that traveled through his whole body, starting in his forehead, traveling through his neck, down into his stomach. The hum had quieted down a bit, but the pulling remained as Ed drove down the highway saying, I don't like this. I do not like this. I don't like it either. I don't like this. I don't like it either. I don't know why you volunteered to drive. (laughs) Finally, Ed pulled over to the side of the road and got out of the car, which he probably should have done much sooner, or at the very least, let Dwayne drive. But thankfully, Ed remembered to grab his camera before getting out and falling to the ground in agony, and his Ed writhed in pain on the side of the road. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. Dwayne hovered above him, and when Ed looked up at Dwayne, Ed saw the alien craft about 200 feet up and said, Oh, fuck. There it was. <laughs> and he jerked the camera up to his face and took picture number 21. Dwayne turned around, but just as he was about to see the craft, it blinked away once more. But if you look at the photo, the UFO appears clear as day. And even though Dwayne didn't see the UFO mm. itself, he said he did see Ed take the picture. He said he saw Ed take the photo out of the camera, and it was Dwayne himself who peeled the negative off the photo. So what Dwayne said is like, listen, I didn't see it, but seeing you take the picture, next best thing. Yeah. And I want to clarify, now I'm Ben again. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you, because I remember, this, is that how Daniel Day-Lewis does it? Yes. Wow. <laughs> I'm Abraham Lincoln. Wow. Now, now I'm Daniel Day-Lewis. Now I'm Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> and now I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> now you can stream the live TV you love for just 40 bucks a month with Sling TV. Get your favorite channels and shows for the best price. If you want live sports, Sling has all the football playoffs and pro and college basketball. Stay up to date with breaking news from around the world with MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News. Sling also has reality, TV, popular entertainment, kid shows, and more. Sling costs almost half as much as other live TV providers, so you can watch more and pay less. Sling is easy. Sign up in minutes, stream at home or on the go on up to three devices and record up to 50 hours with included DVR space. Get flexible channel lineups that put you in control. Pause, change, or cancel your service at any time. You'll never get locked into a long-term contract. Check out Sling.com for special offers. Sling, the live TV you love for a price you'll love.
Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. I'm, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses Filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay, because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt. And not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale entire series, clothes and non-clothes, what we also are going to offer, and I mean this, we're trying to get into giraffe rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses. Take pictures of the horses. Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse. Ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do if another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Oh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer it's, of course, I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and we might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. So the 13th sighting was short but eventful. Two days after the torment on the road, Ed was soaping up in the shower. Finally a moment of peace. <laughs> just one time, just me and my loofah. I don't need to be bothered by anybody thinking about Cindy Lauper. I'm here just washing my pits and having a really nice time. I still feel like he's covered in a full pajama. Yes. <laughs> just soaked. head to toe. Soaked. Oh no, he is fully nude. Uh, okay. Soaping up. 
when Francis came in and told him that the UFO had appeared, although God it isn't it. clear why there was no home to alert Ed to this encounter. Can I just for a goddamn second, just for a second, have a moment of peace? Maybe it was the water. Protected him from the from the hum. Actually, oh, that's that's that very actually, interesting. Very actually, interesting. that does make that's why they're breaking his pool pump so he's got to stay out of the pool. Wow! <laughs> Holy oh. shit, dude! It's all coming together. <laughs> so Ed ran naked out of the shower, grabbed a towel. He didn't his- need to. He didn't have to run naked out of the shower. No, but what I think he did, he but I also in a way that I think that also kind of describes Ed in, in general, is that he barely wrapped around it. I think he just cupped his own. You ever done the thing where you've walked past your window oh, nude with a towel? Course. I do it every day. I just day. hold it above my dick. Like I just hold, that's the one part I don't cover. Yeah. You can still see my pubes. It's just yeah. technically not a crime. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he ran naked out the shower, grabbed a towel on his way through the bedroom, and ran out. The house into the night, wet and half nude. When he got outside, the UFO was moving towards the house slowly. Ed shook his fist at the sky and dropping the to, towel. Just dropping, <laughs> dropping the towel. And actually, there is a picture of Ed with the towel around him, shaking his fist, yelling. So funny. <laughs> he asked him what the hell they wanted. To which the alien said, "Hey, we are here for you." Ed said he wasn't gonna go anywhere with them. To which the aliens replied, "Hey, us." Sleep, 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 It's just a scary way to have to fall asleep every night. And with this, they winked away again and left Ed half naked in the dark. Now, let me ask you this. Huh. Are they saying... We are here for you, or are they saying, we are here for you? That is actually, Ed wrestled with that question often in the book. He hmm. doesn't know. That's the thing, the, the, it, because aliens, with their accent, mm-hmm. maybe they can't really put the proper enunciation. They can't say, put the proper emphasis. Did like, they send us a boy band? <laughs> and their famous song is, we are here for we you? We are here for you. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, because that's a weird, oh, that would be very scary as a boy band, a song you don't know whether or not it's a group of men here to take a little girl from a room, or they're there just to support her. I have no idea. Because that's that's what he doesn't know. He doesn't know whether he's special or they're trying to rape him again. Yeah, but we're going to find out the opposite. Yeah. They were milking him. <laughs> they were milking him? They were, oh, yeah. They, oh, yeah. He was getting milked. So 12 days later, the craft showed up again in the Walter's backyard near the pool. This is when the whole family gets in on the fun. Ed's daughter, Laura, called him outside saying Francis had something to show him. Ed ran outside with his camera, passed his daughter, who was standing next to the door, and as Ed opened up the door, the blue beam came down and hit the pool deck. He snapped a picture of the beam just as Francis dove past him. (laughs) (laughs) After taking the picture, Ed slammed the door and pulled his daughter down to the floor where Francis already was as the windows were open. Ed was terrified the blue Hmm. beam might come through the windows. I think I like doing the sound effects. Yeah, it's fun. (laughs) They then crawled over to Ed's son's room where he was studying with his headphones on and seeing his father's terrified face, Dan joined his family on the floor and they all crawled into the hallway, the only place in the house without a window. After about five minutes of terrified silence, Ed led his family to the van in the garage so they could make their escape if they had to. But when they got to the van, the hum started up again in Ed's head. The aliens spoke to him once more and said, Do not deny us. We are here. Remember. 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 Remember sounds funny when you say it. 
This is so the kid's just listening to Kiss or something on his. I assume yeah. it's 1987. He's listening to nothing but the power of love by Huey Lewis in the news, and that's all he's. Fuck not, dude. That kid's listening to Appetite for Destruction. Woo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Either way, this is a very fun family. I'm beginning to think Ed is the best dad I've ever heard. This oh. is by far more fun than my family ever had ever, even once. Ever. Oh, and dude, Dan was so totally into of it. He, he kept, was. He kept saying like, "Dad, let me at him, Dad. I got it, Dad. Just <laughs> give me the gun, Dad. Give me the gun, well, don't Dad. Don't give him the gun. He's been listening to Satanic music. Also, you know he's been like dad's every old authority in the house is slipping hard he's drinking a lot in the house like is that just letting him have beers openly in the house yeah. kids are just running in and out he's having a he's not doing any schoolwork. everybody knows that he's just in the thralls of a ufo bannock so he gets to do whatever he wants yeah. it's incredible it's a fun time to be a kid <laughs> it was great but as they got into the van and right after the aliens talked to him the humming stopped the family got out of the van and returned to the house where they talked for hours before falling asleep one by one in the same room. Well, you, my family never I did know. that once. The great bonding uh, agent of an alien abduction this story. This is wonderful. No, we did that once when there was a bunch of escaped convicts that were running around our area. <laughs> we all slept in the same room talking for hours. Where are they? Are they going to come here? We're in an isolated home. They might show up here any minute. Who's, Dad's holding a big gun just hmm. waiting for them. Who will they sexual assault first, Mommy? <laughs> will it be me or one of our wonderful brothers? <laughs> Doesn't sound like very fun, uh, but the bonding's nice. It was the super fun. Nice. Yeah, yeah, after a while, we got tired of waiting for him to come to us, so we went out and looked for them. So then you, well, that's how yeah. mobs are formed. It's technically, and I'm not gonna, yeah, it we're was not just gonna. a small family. We didn't like, we didn't actually like call anyone else up. Like, hey, well, there was one time where we did go out and look for a guy, but you know what? We found him. But we went and saw, talked to the police. Said, hey, we found him. Mm. But then we did go out there with him. It was a great Christmas. So you guys were out hunting for ex-cons on Christmas. Christmas Day. Christmas. Second best family next to the Walters. I honestly think that Texas will be the first to secede from, yes. the, from the world. So on May 1st, 1988, Ed Walters would have his final encounter with the Gulf Breeze aliens. Francis was out of town on a weekend trip, so Ed decided to take a special camera given to him by MUFON to the park to see if he could get some shots. This is that, what is it, uh, four lens camera? Some mm. 3D camera. Some 3D camera. All the lenses are glued together. Double exposure is impossible. It's supposed to be impossible to fake any sort of shot. With These it. took the most compelling pictures. Yeah, they really did. So at 12.30 a.m., Ed heard the hum, although it was very distant. About 40 minutes later, Ed got impatient and yelled, You call me the hoss! I want this to be over! I want you out of my life! Um, excuse me, sir, could you stop yelling? I'm trying to have sex with this homeless man over here. Okay, if you would, because I do, you're, really, you're, you're ruining the mood. I do apologize for that. I am sorry about that. So Ed turned his head to the left, and there the UFO was. He turned the camera and took two shots, capturing the craft both times. The UFO then moved right above him, only about 30 feet up, and Ed's sight went completely white. He couldn't tell whether he was being flooded with light or if it was the same situation as before where the light was coming from inside his own head. Mm. But he did say that his body went completely numb, the only sensation being a sense that he was falling. The next thing Ed knew, he was lying on the ground about 20 feet away an hour and 15 minutes later with no recollection of the time. Oof, I like that. That's a good way to get through the day. Just forget half of it. It would be really nice to just zip through the day like that. Yeah, just kind of fall asleep, pretend you were abducted. I think and, that's uh, lose um, a bunch of time. That's called clinical depression. <laughs> is that what that is? That's what I was told by my therapist. Oh, I thought it was just called needing to sleep. No, mm, all no. the time. <laughs> 
Now, the only thing that Ed knew when he woke up was that his right hand smelled terrible. So, nothing worse than waking up after no. uh, waking up after a nap against your own will with Miss, your right hand. Missing time. Uh-huh. It smelled so bad. You yeah. had a couple of those, right, Kessel? Well, I mean, what do you do? And then you just like <laughs> that's the first thing that you hear when you woke you when you wake up. You woke up and you put your hand somewhere it shouldn't be yeah. while you were sleeping. It smelled so bad he had to wrap it in towels to hide the stench. <laughs> just wash. Shit. He tried washing it. It didn't come off. Oh, my goodness. Now, back at the house, Ed figured he would clean up a little bit, so he ran a comb through his hair and felt a bump at the back of his neck. He went to the mirror to check it out, but as he looked at his face, he noticed a large bruise with a red dot in the middle right between his eyes. Two more of those marks were centered at his temples, also Bruised. There are pictures mm. in the book UFO abductions in Gulf Breeze that are very interesting. Very bad little bruises. Yeah. Com- yeah. Very compelling. He tried to wash the stink off his hands and found that the smell was actually coming from little bits of black material under his fingernails. It's dookie. <laughs> it's just, yeah. He collected the material for analysis. But at the time of the publication of the Gulf Breeze sightings, Ed said that the sophisticated equipment necessary to analyze it had not yet been located. They found it at Gary's house. <laughs> I would assume so. Now, this was not his first experience with missing time. What you're going to discover now is, well, I don't know whether or not this is a chicken and the egg scenario with the with the, either talking to the MUFON guys or if Ed did his own research or if it is completely real. Now, mostly when people have a rash of UFO sightings, what they discover is that they have been involved with UFOs in the entire life. It normally runs in families. They talk about it like, if your grandmother saw a UFO, it's likely you're going to see a mm. UFO. That's just kind of how it goes. Mm. I don't know if it's like a weird, because you think about it, you're going to see it more often, but it seems to be a part of the lexicon. And what we're going to find out is that Ed has had missing time, or supposedly had missing time, many times throughout his life. Hmm. Yeah. I've had some weird shit. I once saw an apparition that I thought was death. And then missing time afterwards. But now you're on a cocktail of drugs just to keep you normal. (laughs) A heavy cocktail of extremely psychotic, anti-psychotic drugs. Getting it looked at again on Wednesday. It ain't going well. Rejigger. Yes. Um, It's just a constant... You know, soup. But each time, so it mm-hmm. happened three times in his life, apparently, and it was each one was eight years apart. Mm-hmm. Which I, again, I like that. I like the symmetry. Sure, because no. again, it doesn't. It just seems to work with aliens. Totally. And the first incident happened when Ed was just seventeen years old. Now this explains the visions of dogs that he received on the first UFO sighting. Mm-hmm. Right. He was riding his bike home one day when he noticed a large black dog following him. He tried to lose the dog, but the dog just kept appearing wherever Ed went, behaving in ways that. Ed said were too deliberate for a normal dog. I'm just here filling out an envelope, putting out a stamp, just a dog, mailing an envelope. Smart dog, I like it. Very smart dog. And even when Ed got home, the dog just stood there staring at him with a vacant glare. Not staring at you, just kind of looking over there, happening across my way. It's a bit awkward when you catch eyes with someone when you're trying to stare in a general direction and then they look deep in your eyes and it looks like you're staring at them. And I'm not, I'm just a normal dog. I think you are a normal dog, just probably trying to look, he's looking for a home. Looking for a home. Looking for a bone. In more than one way, I'm a gay dog. <laughs> what? That's your choice, and that's fine. Not a you, choice. I was I, born this you were way. Born, I know you were born that way. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. Yeah. Very key. You got to communicate clearly. All these emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner. 
to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. It's like you're Captain Kirk and Grammarly is Data. And you're kissing a lady on another planet. And Data is just trying to make sure you write better. Better writing means a stronger impact. And Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. And by understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. It did begin to understand when I was yelling and when I was doing bits versus me, because I do use Grammarly, but it's nice. But I will also say Grammarly does, will do the thing where it's like, um, I think maybe you missed a little comma, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, I know. Thank you, Grammarly. Like, thank, I get it. Yes. But still, like, maybe we could just think about what I'm going through today, right? But Grammarly really does help. Because that's what we all need. A stern teacher with glasses and uh, little buckled shoes. That's Grammarly to me. That's what I see. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Getting engaged is special for so many reasons. Planning the perfect proposal. Oh, I want to do it at the Hindenburg. <laughs> I want to do it at the Hindenburg Memorial. Celebrating your love and looking forward to the rest of your lives. And if you're lucky, it's short. The only part that's not so special, shopping for an engagement ring, if you don't know what you're doing. That's where BlueNile.com comes in, especially if you don't feel like talking to your mother. BlueNile.com is the original online jeweler. Since 1999, they've helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring with little or no feedback from their mother. With Blue Nile, you can create a brilliant piece at a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler. Why use anything traditional? Blue Nile also offers a diamond price guarantee, which means that they can usually meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. And I sent you to Steven, my guy, but you still refuse. And you decide to go with your Blue Nile little thing because, oh, it's got 100% satisfaction guarantee with guaranteed free shipping and returns. And sometimes Steven doesn't answer your calls and sometimes Steven loses the rings. But that's where you don't understand because Steven was there for me when your father wasn't. And honestly, so now is Blue Nile because every time I call, they pick up with the 24-7 customer support and they hear all about my hands hurting and how I've got, they have to reverse my feet at the doctor. They, they said, and they, but eventually they said it's temporary. They're going to put it back forward. But oh, thank you, Blue Nile, for not picking up, even though I texted my son. Right now, you can get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's $50 off with code LASTPODCAST at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. And if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Now, I love Babbel, and I love what they're doing for the people of America. But I went on there to find out if I could learn Fremen in order for me to go and harness the desert power that it would take to finally 
get the raids of the sand planet Arrakis. Uh, but they said they only offer real languages and uh, stuff that can really help people travel. I think that's mostly what Babel's looking to do. They didn't really, like, I called customer service and I asked me, like, well, how can I possibly harness the power of a million Fremen? And they said, please, sir, stop calling. And I said, but I, I'm doing an ad for you currently while we're on the phone. And Babel, you know what? God love them. They helped me learn German. And in the end, they, they were right. Because German's a lot more useful. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. After a half hour of staring, the dog left, but later that night, Ed had a classic late night alien visitation, or as you suggested, Ben, possible simple sleep paralysis. Depending on what you want to believe, Ed said as he tried to fall asleep with his brother in the room in a separate bed, Ed felt a force pressed down on the outside edge of his mattress. Mm. The only sounds that he heard were of the sprinkler hitting the window outside. And when Ed opened his eyes, he saw shadowy gray forms moving around the room, and a gleam of light shone through the windows, and Ed saw it reflect off a bald head only six inches from his face. Patrick Stewart. (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) He leapt out of bed and yelled for his brother to wake up, both boys ran out of the room in terror. Once awake with the lights on, they noticed... The floor was wet, Mm. and there were small, strange, wet footprints shaped like flat-bottomed slippers leading down the side of Ed's bed. It was then that Ed's brother noticed that Ed was also wet, although Ed had no memory of going outside. He leaned over and started kissing Ed, and it just was two brothers doing something that God said they should never do, but Satan was telling them. It was the right thing to do. You're trying to make a romantic thing here with them? Incestual. <laughs> um, Very interesting. Uh, and so what would happen, so get into the into the way, way, go forward machine. Blah, 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 blah. blah. The, in, in his, the second follow-up book, Gulf of, uh, UFO Abductions in the Gulf Breeze by Ed Walters, he explains when he, after everything was said and done after May 1st, 1998, and he had that missing time sequence, he's like, he wanted to go back and find out if there were, if, if he knew, remembered this incident. He's like, I want to know if there was something to this as well. I remember the dog, he said, and so he talked to a, hypno, a hypnotist who gave him a series of self-inducing weird, like, at-home trances that you can do mm. in order to help get him acclimated to the deep trance that he needed to go into in order to fully regress into these hidden memories. I don't know why he let him do this on his own. Oh, Very irre- dangerous. Irresponsible yeah. almost. Sure. Um, and so he goes back to the house. And one thing he said that was really creepy is that what he remembered the first time they did a mini regression inside the hypnotist's office was that the dog snapped its head back in a really unnatural way and it looked like its head was on backwards and it was going like which is fucking creepy as shit it all needs to be loved though it is a dog no exactly but you know when a dog makes that weird noise but then it goes from cute to like yeah I had a dog that would do that every time I came home that's how he would speak to me terrifying scream like let me out of here release me type it sounds like one of Ariel Castro's girls not good 
<laughs> every day when I came home from school for 14 years. <laughs> like God. he was in pain. He was yes. the best dog ever. We stopped feeding him food eventually. He just hunted his own shit. He was great. The only God. dog we had that died old age. It just sounds like it's something nice. you do to a foster child. His name was Trout. <laughs> oh, Trout. Never trout name a dog, dog after another fucking animal. Well, it does That's seem very he has a dog out of Let's fish. get back to. I yeah, okay. is a stranger story. <laughs> yeah, Trout the dog. So Ed gets back to the house from the hypnotist's office, and for some reason, he decides I'm going to start doing this on my own. I'm going to also have the whole family come up into the bedroom yeah. and watch me do this, just for safety's sake. Daughter, yeah. son, wife. In there, so he's like, guys, I'm just gonna do this. You guys, you're my spotters. So he puts himself into a deep trance, and all of a sudden, he's like, "There's a dog. I see a dog, and I'm asleep, and I'm in a room. They're putting a cop on my penis. I'm ejaculating. I'm ejaculating against my. I'm coming. I'm coming against uh. my will. I'm, he goes into a full." F- Furious orgasm simulated in yeah. front of his children. Children, yeah, that's awkward. And they have to slap him out because they don't know how to get him out of the trance. So they're slapping him. Do you really think a contractor from Florida said my penis? I it's honestly possible. think he said his penis because he's very weirdly proper. Uh huh. Because he says penis a lot. What you're gonna find out is that he's being milked by these aliens, and then he let his own son see it. Isn't that kind of embarrassing? Can you imagine Wait, watching own- your father? Come in his pants, even sure. if it's imaginary. I don't think he actually did come. Yeah, I, think I don't know. Well, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, if true. he, de- even if there is no ejaculate, if it is simulated, isn't it that close enough to seeing your father ejaculate? The last oh, thing yeah. I can fucking imagine is <laughs> seeing yeah. my father's cum face. No one wants to see that. Absolutely not. <laughs> so eight years after the dog incident. Ed was driving home late at night when his car suddenly began slowing down, despite Ed stepping on the gas like the car was in neutral. Hmm. He pulled over to see what was going on, and down the road, Ed could see a single light like the headlight of a motorcycle. But when it reached him, the light rose up above the road. Ed got freaked out, got back into the car, which was working just fine again, and he sped down the road. The light turned around and followed Ed until it completely flooded the interior of his car Six hours later, Ed woke up on the side of the road with no memory of what had happened. So when he went to the hypnotist for this incident, what he discovered was, so finally he was like the, the hypnotist. He goes back to the hypnotist and he's like, I was doing it on myself and I had shocking results in front of my family. And the hypnotist was like, what is your fucking problem? Never do that again. Like literally yelled at him saying, it's like, why don't ever do this? So he took him through this next incident. Now, he was very reticent to go through these memories. What they would do is this weird process where he would set up his unconscious memories into his hand. And he said, make little hand motions. You're, Ed, you're going to put your hand on your knee, and if you want to answer something, say yes by flicking it, to your index finger to the left, and if you want to say no, flick it to the right. And if you want to say, I, uh, I don't want to answer... Uh, uh, flick up your middle finger. So he would ask his unconscious through his hand, kind of like the little boy in The Shining, mm-hmm. and he would like ask that first before he would ask Ed if it's okay to consciously go through these memories. And because they were so traumatic for Ed, because every single time they would bounce back into it, he would start screaming. So they would like, all right, you're going to do this exercise. So it's like you're watching it on a screen in a movie theater mm-hmm. so you can remember it. So according to Ed's memory, he wakes up in a room that's like a porcelain, like made out of porcelain with a weird like bowl on the ceiling. It smells weird, smells like cinnamon, goes out into a hallway. Everything's looking like porcelain. Here's children crying. 
Kind of like that image she had the last time when he heard the sign. He was like, I don't have a baby. Mm-hmm. Heard a baby crying, goes into another, this other porcelain room, sees two little kids alone crying in this room. He goes to them trying to help them, like going like, help, help. Because all weird alien, it's like ideas, it's always like a struggle to speak. And he's saying that. And like the hypnotist is like, who are you helping? He's like, children, help, help. He goes, he gets the kids and he's like, or we're going to figure out what's going on. He leaves. All of a sudden, three gigantic Komodo dragons standing on their feet. This is true. Really? Stand or walking down the hallway, <laughs> see him, and he's in a panic. And they're like, snap, it, snap, 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 which Damn. is very interesting because a lot of times reptilians, in our minds, the way we've described them, David Icke has described them, is that humanoid reptilians. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times they look like just gigantic lizards, right? So they just look like Komodo dragons. Running down the hallway, he's like, I'm going to save myself from, I'm going to save these kids first. Take these kids. Put them in a bucket that he found. It was a weird bucket with a, ba- like a basket. He put the thing. kids in a bucket. Yeah. He found <laughs> that this seems bucket. like a strange you way gotta, to save kids. You got to remember that this is dream reality. Okay. Right? In a weird dream reality. The lizards are snapping at him. He decides to save them by taking off his shirt, getting nude again, mm-hmm. throws the shirt over the head of one of the lizards. Let's <laughs> that- go like, stop, 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 stop. And the right. other one's snapping at his belly, snapping at his belly, and he talks about how scary it is. Finally, they're hit by a blue beam. The reptilians are frozen. Female alien that I was talking about with the tits and the white hair comes and grabs him, being like, that was just a distraction, Zihas. You must understand, we are one of 13. You are one of 13, you must remember. In sleep, you know. In sleep, you know. And then he wakes up back in the hypnotist's office. So he did what Leslie Nielsen did in Naked Gun. He just threw a towel at a person's face? Yes. And then, yeah. Or in this case, a Komodo Rain dragon? Yeah. yeah, so you can defeat a Komodo dragon with cotton? Just yeah. throw it. Just, and then they're like, whoa! You just also could hit it in the head with a baseball bat. You can do it. That would be a much more effective way. Interesting dream, though. Yeah, very interesting dream. And again, eight years later, when Ed was 33, in his uh, final missing time incident before his final encounter in 1988, Ed was out in a canoe during a solo fishing trip, and at about noon, he noticed the canoe had hit something metal under the water, and the canoe suddenly went still as if it had run aground. After a moment, it started to move again, but when Ed looked in the water, he saw a stream of bubbles stretch out in front. About 30 feet ahead, he noticed a green glow beneath the water, big and getting bigger. Five hours later, Ed found himself miles from where he began with no memory of what had happened. Very interesting story of a USO, unidentified submerged object. Mm. Good job, Henry. Which is also, there's <laughs> many people who want to talk about. We can do an entire episode on USO. Well, yes, you we know, if you want to. I call them Usos. <laughs> I call them Usos. Disgusting. Yeah. Um, and in this one, he just said that he woke up to the same titted female alien that said, you, you remember, uh, in sleep you know, in sleep you know, and yeah. then he was put in a headset alongside with other smaller, tiny grays where he feels like they were trying to combine their brains. And then you're going to find out, like, after the fact, in sleep you know, he starts to mull, like, kind of mull over this idea. And those are the real, the three abduction sequences he remembers. He starts to realize that what you didn't realize that he fed this little tidbit in the original Gulf Breeze UFO sightings book is that he said that he could put himself to sleep by imagining a black cloud of relaxation that would go from the tips of his feet to the tops of his head to the point where he had been doing it his whole life that he could just say, sleep now, and he would go straight to sleep. But he also found out that he could cover up with ingenious um, problem-solving the fucking things by thinking of a problem before going to sleep and then going, sleep now, and he'd wake up with a new problem. So now we started thinking about the aliens before going to sleep, and he came up with a vision of a mountain in South America called Takamwadi. And he said that maybe that's where the aliens are coming from. He should have been thinking about that damn pool pump and how to fix it. (laughs) Because I feel like that's really the most important issue here in reality. Now, all of these fantastic stories, absolutely 
Wonderful. Well told, well written. You got photographic evidence. You got multiple eyewitnesses. And to top it all off, Ed, he passed two polygraph tests concerning his story. Very intense polygraph tests. Very intense Mm. polygraph tests. But on the other hand, you know who else passed polygraph tests? Gary Ridgway. Gary Ridgway was a simple. And you can do that if you're a simple. It's easier to lie when you're a simple. Yeah, it's yeah. easier to lie when you're a simple. But the fact remains, polygraphs, they're they are not admissible in court. And they are possible to lie the about. Because you, have to, you just have to convince yourself that you're telling the exactly. truth. So they don't work on sociopaths. See, that's the thing. Ed Walters was a bit of a neighborhood prankster concerning the photographs. Double exposure on a Polaroid is difficult, but not impossible. We're now starting to get into the counter-arguments, the debunking of the Gulf Now, the debunking is very easy here, because you could just say no if you don't want to have a fun life. That's true. (laughs) You could just be like, that's all total horseshit, unless you're shat in a a butter tub for no reason. You totally could. Yeah, you absolutely could. So we're, um, but, you know, here on Last Podcast on the Left, we like to cover both sides. Sure. So we have to cover the skeptics as well. Boy, you just, you, you do not look happy. He's pouting. I am pouting. I I will, I I I can see you as a five-year-old boy right now. (laughs) (laughs) Removing my clothes. Full beard. He's a very, very nude boy. I'm sure. So Nick Mock, a friend of Ed's son, said that Walters, in fact, knew how to do double exposure on a Polaroid camera. Mock even produced a picture that Ed had took that demonstrated that Ed had done it in the past. It was a photo of a girl with a quote-unquote demon behind her. It's not a good picture, though. It's It's not not well done. It's not well done, but it's a start. Mm Mm-hmm. Then there's the video of the torment on the road. People who have actually... (laughs) (laughs) Is my face moving? Is my face moving? moving? People who have actually seen the video say it's the worst acting they've ever seen in their life. Well, because he wasn't acting. (laughs) You know, and some of the best acting uh, they've ever heard in their entire life was on this episode. Interesting. Yes. That is interesting. That is very interesting. And as far as Dwayne Cook's claim that he witnessed Ed take the picture, it's entirely possible that Dwayne Cook, who was the reporter for the Gulf Breeze Sentinel, uh, who first reported the story, it's very possible he was just in on the whole scheme. He's a reporter. They don't lie. The thing is that it's true. right. He had quite a bit to lose if it comes out as a hoax. So he tries to get involved, and he could make a lot of money if the whole thing becomes real. But the problem is that it it goes back and forth, right? Like, this is the problem problem with debunking any of this bullshit is that when it comes down to it as you could say it's good and bad either way it's either it's either you distance yourself from it and you had nothing to do with it and you're a part of his his coax altogether like altogether or you were a witness something that you now can't fully explain so you have to kind of halfway back out of it i think he's doubling down on it i I think i think really what happened is that ed came clean with him said hey listen i'm mr x i faked these photos you are complicit now, uh, sure. and I need yes. help. I need somebody. These MUFON guys are on my ass. You know, I need some sort of proof. I need something to give these guys. Uh, but so, this is conjecture. This yes. is your conjecture. Exactly. This is all my conjecture. This is my thought of what might have happened. Could yes. be. Yeah. This is what my. This is definitely all conjecture on my part. But I do think but that he- Ed Walters brought him in on. The, but the he did hoax. take those two mm. pictures with that locked camera. He did take the and pictures those, with the locked camera. That pictures with the lock. Those pictures with the locked camera are, pr- are pretty good. And then there's the matter of the model. When the Walters family moved 
out of the house where everything happened, the next family to move in found a model that was very similar to the UFO featured in Ed's photographs. Mm. The UFO was also made using drafting paper with Ed's handwriting on it, plans from a house he worked on. However, the UFO, the model, Mm. that was a fake. Concerning the paper, the plans were from a house that was built in September of 1989. This was almost two years after the first photograph was taken, meaning that the UF model was most likely a plant made to discredit Ed. But why would someone want to do that? Mm-hmm. Why would someone want to discredit Ed years after the whole thing had pretty much died down? Well, it all comes down to local politics. Oh my goodness. Ed was running for city council against Tom Smith, who was the father of one of Ed's son's friends, Tom Smith Jr. Tommy came forward during the election and said that he had, in fact, faked the photos with Ed Walters. Now, he said that he had hmm. additional photos and he'd been a part of the hoax. And originally, he was the one who was supposed to bring the pictures to the newspaper and be Mr. X. But Ed, you know, then and then he said no to Ed because the, the reason why. And then Ed Walters comes out and he said, number one, I was running for city council against his father and trying to shut me down. Tommy was also a dude that he kicked out of his quote unquote games because Tommy was being a ruckus to so hanging out for movie nights. Nick, Nick Mock as well. Yes. There were, hmm. These were guys that he kicked out of like the group of dudes that were hanging out of the house all the time. Maybe because they wouldn't suck dick. <laughs> But I actually don't know. Who don't know? But also, all of this was instigated by a man named Craig Myers, who was a, a, a reporter for the Pensacola News Journal that was the uh, the competition to the Gulf Sentinel and Uh-oh. hated the sensationalist reporting of the Gulf Sentinel, the fact that they would even believe in these UFO cases. So he made it his life's mission to attack all these stories. Say what you want about the first couple pictures. They obviously could have been and probably were hoaxed and put together. I really do think mm-hmm. that he made shit up being an asshole and then got and a part of it was that he was obsessed with UFO's life like the Bigfoot thing. He was trying to put a little fake evidence in there to get the conversation going and to get people to come believe it and be a big deal, right? Didn't realize why his whole life he was truly obsessed with UFOs and wanted to be part of Lexicon. Sort of all of a sudden getting flashback memories of that he has been serialized, raped for years by aliens and that's why he's so upset. Well, that's going to be a tough thing for a campaign slogan. Yeah, it is going to be very <laughs> difficult. Serially abused by aliens. Yes, and then he, now it's like it's happening to him in real life. Oh yeah, and by the way, city council election, Dead last. Dead last. Dead last. <laughs> the Sentinel didn't endorse. That's bullshit. That's very he sad. Gave, he was the only reason that paper had anything uh, was it was in existence. I made you. I made you. <laughs> Who doesn't vote for Ed yeah. Walters? But that's also conjecture on my part. Yeah, that is also conjecture. Hmm. Uh, what is not conjecture, however, is that Tommy Smith Jr. did camp, come forward with additional photos, uh, saying, "Hey, look, these were uh, taken." Both by me and Ed, we worked on these together. Photographic experts who looked at those photos said that they uh, were not double exposed, that they Mm. could not prove that they were hoaxes whatsoever, that they were actually among the most genuine of all. Yeah. He was telling the truth. But the problem is they keep saying there's all these pictures that were also hoaxes that look like Ed's pictures, but where are those pictures? Why aren't they out? And then Marcus is trying to tell me, oh, not everything goes on the internet, but I'd like to fight the other side and say everything makes it to the internet. Absolutely. You're a man of a million questions, Henry. That is a fallacy. Just because it's not on Google doesn't mean it's not on the internet. Just think about it. (laughs) Just because it's not on the internet doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Ah, ha, ha. Mm, Interesting. But if I think about it, Israel, 
right? Again, we're getting deep into this rabbit hole. (laughs) Well, there's really nothing to even go into. The the family seems happy, and that's all that matters. The family seems happy. No, they were tormented by UFO enthusiasts. Other than him faking an orgasm (laughs) in front of them, I think for the most part, they had a good time. It started off super fun, but I think it just got weird by the end of it. Because they left. He made $200,000 on the book deal, but that quickly goes away. Each time you make the next book deal, you're going to make less on the advance. And so he kind of strung this out for a while. He was in charge of the Gulf Breeze UFO conference there that was there for a long time. That petered out. And then also the final nail came. 1990, one of Ed's Mm. biggest boosters, a Navy physicist named Dr. Bruce McAbee, came forward. He announced... We believe that UFOs. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, why not? They, yeah, sure. But we believe that UFOs exist. We entered this investigation with the natural and favorable bias toward the Walters case, but our investigation and analysis led to the conclusion that several, if not all, of the photos are probably hoaxes. I'm a cartoon monster. <laughs> oh my God! It sounds like if a chocolate bar could talk. Now, <laughs> I love that. Now he's saying that to try to discredit Bruce Maccabee. I know what you're doing. Yeah. Bruce McAbee is a serious man, uh, and he what he did come out uh, yeah. very hard for Ed Walters and say, "I really do think that you know this is an actual case." But as time went on, uh, he kind of had to admit, uh, "These are this is probably." But all I just think fake. that well, you the whole on. thing has just become so ludicrous that he's trying to distance himself from it, which is the problem with serious investigators getting involved with UFO incidents from now on. We're going to see this. This MUFON really fucked up by hanging their hat on this on this case because they really now showed you you basically left this all in the hands of Ed Walters, who's yeah. not a reliable human being. <laughs> which of course nobody I guess who's involved with UFOs turns out to be a reliable human being. <laughs> not one person. But the problem is, is that that's what that's why we can't get serious investigators to come look at it because they all look like fools by the end of it because they have to deal with all these idiots. Yeah, all the remember Mac, well, remember Maccabee. But is we, what they say. We still have Stanley hmm. Friedman. We still. He's doing a good job. Stanton Friedman. Stanton Friedman. He's still doing good. Uh, Jacques Vallée is still out there. I guess. No, well, I, I think mean, he's I don't, dead. Yeah, I don't think you can put Jacques Vallée out there. Yes, with, he can. With yes, I can, and I will. <laughs> Yes, I can. I will. You got Richard Dolan. He's doing really hard work, but mostly he just talks about how the government is takes UFOs a lot more seriously sit, than they say they do. They sit there mostly. What do you mean? Hard work. Most they of their re- jobs. They're, they're thinking. They're using their brains. Oh, like I see. us. Yeah. Like this is hard work. Yeah, I, I do. I do hard work, and I sit here all the time. Yeah, my yeah. hands are not callous, but my brain is. Yeah. Okay, that's true. And the one right. thing that we did not get into in 1990 that I want to qu- quickly, briefly bring up because it's the end of the episode is this thing called the Doomsday Six, which we didn't realize this is that there was a group of six members of the NSA that went AWOL from Germany mm. to go all the way to Gulf Breeze to help save us against the war against aliens, and this is completely real. Well, not necessarily the war or against. The Antichrist. Antichrist. Yeah. They, they did this weird aliens Christian thing. These six true government workers went completely insane. They said that they were a member of, of some sort of mental, uh, it, it was a, a standard, like we're going to make super soldier, like weird hypnosis and, and drugs cocktail thing that they were working on in Germany. And they started using a Ouija board and talked to an alien entity named Sapphire, spelled with an F, huh. and they went... <laughs> There was also several other alien beings that were talking to them as if they were part of the archetypical old school, old book of the Bible, like Noah, like those guys. They were coming forward and telling them, you have to go to Gulf Breeze, Florida. There is a war happening between the Alliance, which is a group of good aliens, and a group called the Others, which is the bad aliens. And they are going to bring about, like, basically 1998, zip, 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 yada, yada, yada. 1998, there's going to be an Antichrist. You guys are the only ones that are going to know about it. You got to go fight it. So these guys left their posts 
in mm. Germany, went all the way to Pensacola, Florida, rented a van, where then they were picked up for having a taillight out, and then the the cops ran their fucking, they gave them their driver's license, he's like, you guys all went AWOL from the NSA, and literally helicopters just show up, <laughs> yeah. scoop them up, they're like, nobody knows the story after the fact, except for one of them wrote a romance novel that is about him being in love with the roommate of one of the girls that he was, that was of the six people that were going with him to save the world from the Antichrist, and it was about him banging her. Well, that's an interesting little story there, kind of a side story. Doomsday but Six. Go look dooms- up Doomsday Sounds Six. Sounds like just a bunch of lazy NSA workers who wanted to get out of Germany. They lost their minds. I yeah. would say, this, yeah, this is more probably an Edgewood type of situation. Like this yes. is this sounds like a, a combination between Edgewood and MK Ultra. It's a crazy. I just it's a nuts story. when we were looking through, like at the very end of researching last night, I was like, holy shit, look at this, <laughs> yeah, and it completely gem. also it, it adds up because the names all come up in a New York Times article of a group of NSA people that were outside of Gulf Breeze that were arrested for having a taillight out of a van that they had bought. Mm-hmm. And speaking of research, yeah. I want to say special thanks to April for all of her help on this one. She really came through on Good it. Work, so thank April. you very much. Thank you, April. Thank you, Megan, as always. All oh right. Well, that's the Gulf Breeze story. That was exciting. That was so wild. An alien adventure. That, I'm so happy this is out of my mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. think it is. No, you seem more obsessed than ever. I... It's honestly, I'm I'm not worried about myself. We're worried about you. But I went really deep. I've yeah. been having a lot of dreams. I've literally been reading nothing about nothing but aliens for about three weeks, almost to a, a month. Well, now. we're getting back to murder next week, so I'll get all wiped away. Yeah, Jack the Stripper. <laughs> That's going to be funny and cute. Um, all right, everyone. Thank you guys so much for listening. Marcus, what do we do now? We got to plug some stuff? Yeah, we got to plug some stuff. Go to cavecomedyradio.com slash live for uh, tickets to all of our live shows. We're going to be announcing a lot of dates this week so be sure to follow us uh, on Twitter at LP on the left uh, to uh, find out where and when those live dates are but if you want first crack at any and all live shows or at least live shows that aren't a part of festivals uh, go join our Patreon patreon.com slash last podcast on the left if you give even just a dollar you get first crack at tickets and we're selling out all of our shows so you need to get your tickets soon San Francisco is sold out Uh, we're looking at uh, adding on a second show right now. We really hope that we can do it uh, because we want to see all you guys. We're about to tour uh, a retooled live show. Uh, we're about to tour something totally different. We're about to try something mm-hmm. totally new. Uh, so come on out and uh, check that out. Yeah, Dicks Cave Comedy, <laughs> CaveComedyRadio.com uh, slash live. All the ticket links are there. Take trolleys, it or trolleys would be the dumbest thing to hijack because they're on a track. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't even take it. I hear the rice is good. Uh, that is true. Uh, thanks so much Real for supporting true. all the shows here on CCR. Check out Wizard of the Bruiser. It's doing very well. That's Holden McNeely's video game show. Totally. Uh, yeah. Able against Top Hat for everything political. Roundtable of Gentlemen for a good time. And uh, Page 7, Sex and Human Activities. And uh, what else are you working on? Oh, uh, yeah. Go, Spotify. Uh, follow, follow me over on Spotify. I make new yeah. playlists every week. Uh, hail Sweet Satan, my friends. Hail yourselves and hail Gene. And you can hail find me. all of the. Yeah, you can oh, find us all on social media. Yeah, Twitter at Henry Loves You, Ben Kessel, Marcus Barnes. Hey, 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 no. What's the point? Dr. Fantasy. Hail Satan. Hail me. Mingo Solutions. Mingo Aliens! Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. 
Hey, it's me, your barista. You know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Well, now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. And it's foaming delicious. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. Now in stores. It's foaming delicious.